a little higher tonight. You ought to go ahead and raise your voice a little higher tonight. Somebody ought to go ahead and lift your hands a little higher tonight. You ought to take your joy and just jump a little higher tonight. Come on, if you know God is taking you higher, turn up the volume on your praise a little higher. Praise in this building if he's taking you higher tonight. Woo. We don't need marijuana. We don't need crystal meth, cocaine, methamphetamines. When you got the Holy Ghost, baby, you walk around high. I said when you got the Holy Ghost, you walk around uh, in a state of, I wish I had a witness in the building. Somebody said, I don't know if I can live for God because I, 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 I don't know if I can, I can give up this and I can give up that. Baby, I didn't give up anything to live for God. I smoke all the cigarettes I want to smoke. I drink all the alcohol I want to drink. I do all the drugs I want to do. And you know what? I don't want to do any of it. I didn't have to give it up. I was delivered from it. There was a time I couldn't go without it. I couldn't help myself. But he delivered me and it brought me out. And now I'm living the real high life. Woo! Somebody ought to testify in the building tonight. You, you, you got to understand, this is what defines the New Testament church. This is what defines the Holy Ghost. When they found them in the upper room, Pastor Hammond, uh, the Bible said that they thought they were drunk. And when Peter stood up, he didn't deny that they were drunk. He didn't deny that they were all messed up. He just said, we're not drunk as ye suppose. We're not drunk on alcohol, seeing it's the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days, saith God. I will, I will pour out my spirit upon all. You want to know what this is? This is Holy Ghost high tonight. It's the Holy Ghost that makes me want to dance. I don't need a fifth of whiskey. All I need is the Holy Ghost to want to dance. All I need is the Holy Ghost to want to give me praise. I wish some Acts 2 saints would go ahead and give them a praise like you lost your mind. Praise Him.
this, but the same Holy Ghost that's here on Sunday is in the building right. Glory, glory, glory. Woo. Anybody grateful for the Holy Ghost tonight? Uh, we ain't careful. We'll have to lose control of this service tonight. My God, anybody got the victory in this place? Are you thankful for what God is doing in your life? High five six people on the way to your seat. Uh, tell them I got the Holy Ghost and fire. I got the Holy Ghost and fire tonight. Woo! Some of us speak in tongues, but we need to get our fire back tonight. Come on, some of us are sitting here in church, but we need to get our fire back tonight. Come on, somebody, if you've been living for Jesus a long time, uh, you ought to be more excited now uh, than you were at the beginning of your journey. Come on, do I got any witnesses in this place? Uh, you ought to shout more now uh, than you did when you got the Holy Ghost. Uh, you ought to give him the praise now uh, more than you. I wish I had a witness in the building. I'm going to tell you right now, all you new converts and young people, you ain't going to leave me behind. I wish I had some over 40 folks that would help me tonight. I said, you ain't going to leave me behind. I'll strap on some tennis shoes. I'll take some pre-workout. I'll do my stretches before church. But baby, you ain't going to leave me behind. I'm going to give my God the praise. Come on, you better take some ibuprofen. You better take some Motrin. Some bed day, uh, whatever you got to do. Uh, woo. It's not time to retire, uh, it's time to refire for Jesus. I wish a grandma and grandpa in the building uh, would give him a high praise tonight. Come on, he's been better to you uh, than you're praising him tonight. You got a good reason to give him praise. You got a good reason. Mississippi Mass song. I've been running for Jesus a long time, and I ain't tired yet. Tell your neighbor I ain't tired yet. Woo! I'll praise him with a limp. I'll praise him with three hours of sleep. I'll praise him when I'm in the valley. I'll praise him whenever things turn upside. Why? Because my God is still a good. He's a good God. Woo! 
I'm trying to behave myself because it's Tuesday night, uh, but I just feel something in the building tonight. Uh, I feel something in the building tonight. You can get your breakthrough right now. Uh, you can get what you need from God right now in this place. Uh, somebody back discouragement up out of the door in this place tonight I feel like somebody just backed up sickness out of the building in this place tonight mess with me devil I'll praise him twice as much tonight afflict me with sickness I'll shout all night long up in this building Woo! hallelujah how many of you had a great Christmas Amen. Grab your Bibles tonight. We're going to the book of John chapter 13. While you are grabbing your Bibles, I want to take a moment to echo what has already been said in welcoming all of our guests into the house of the Lord tonight. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Put your hands together. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here tonight. What a privilege to have you in the house of the Lord. And, uh, we're excited about what God is doing in this place. 
had the privilege right as we were doing meet and greet to meet Daryl, who was just baptized in Jesus' name a few days ago, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When he heard the truth, they didn't even wait to get him to the church. They baptized him in a swimming pool. He was like the man in the book of Acts. Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, we're so grateful to, to, to have all of you here tonight. And uh, is it okay if I just teach a little bit tonight? We, we, are, we are indeed entering the last... Uh, week of 2023 and uh, although uh, it is easy to sometimes over spiritualize uh, the chronological changing of the year I believe that there is divine significance to the changing of the season especially in this house amen and uh, I we always look for opportunities that the Lord would present to us where it would be appropriate to exercise some of the uh, rites or rituals of the church. How many of you understand that there are biblical rituals of the people of God? And um, one of those being the ritual of foot washing. And so, uh, now don't worry, we're not doing it tonight. Some of y'all panicked because you know them mugs need some help. I can't get a witness in the building tonight. <laughs> so fair warning. <laughs> we, we, will, we will very, very shortly be uh, participating in communion and foot washing. And I want to take a moment tonight to teach about foot washing. Would that be all right? And uh, I want you to continue to pray for the many, many families who are uh, on the road traveling for the holidays this week. And uh, we have a handful of families that are out uh, dealing with this little flu that's been circling around. But I'm glad we're getting it out of our system this week. Because come Sunday, if you're listening online, wherever you are, come Sunday, I don't care what's happening. If they got to roll you in here on a gurney with three masks on your face, you need to get to the house of the Lord Sunday morning for New Year's Eve. Come on, if you got to come with crutches, a cast on your arm, an IV in your shoulder. I don't care what you got to do. Don't you dare miss church on this Sunday. It's going to be an incredible time for the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen, somebody? And, and we are preparing ourselves for what the Lord is doing. And in the next week or two, there'll be more information to come. Uh, we will be participating in communion and foot washing. And I want to take the opportunity to teach tonight, uh, number one, for the edification of the entire body, but also for the many new converts we have uh, who have not yet had the opportunity uh, to study or uh, gain understanding about what it is and what it means. And um, so we're going to the book of John chapter 13 
tonight as a launching point. I promise you, uh, I am going to be as expeditious as possible tonight. And one note about Sunday's New Year Eve service. We are encouraging everyone who would like to, to come dressed casual on Sunday. Amen. It's, it's going to be, you're going to need them shouting tennis shoes anyway. Them cute shoes ain't going to do the trick on Sunday. So we're inviting you to come casual. It's, we're, we are going to have all-out church. It's going to be incredible. I've got a word for this house. And then immediately after the service, we're going to have an, an awesome time of fellowship and, and recreation. And so we want to make it as convenient as possible for everybody uh, to be able to enjoy that. So Sunday, we welcome you to come dressed casual. Uh, it's going to be awesome. John chapter 13, verse number 4. When you have it, somebody say amen. John chapter 13, verse number 4 says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water, somebody say water, into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. He said, Peter, you don't yet have a revelation of the significance of what is going on now, but you are about to. Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. When we get done with the lesson, you'll understand why Peter would feel this way. Lord, I'm not going to allow you to wash my feet. Jesus answered him, this is important, and said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I don't want you to lose the significance of that statement because this is the level of importance that Jesus places on what he is doing here with the disciples. Peter, I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how long you've been with me. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. When he said that, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter said, well, Lord, if it's that important, then I don't just want you to wash my feet. I want you to wash my whole body. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. What he is saying is the one who has been baptized in water has already had their whole body cleansed. And so you are not dirty. You don't need cleansed, all of you, but only your feet. 
for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Amen. You may be seated tonight. In order to really understand and get a full context for foot washing, you really have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse number 21. The scripture declares unto us that when the stain of sin enters humanity and the purity that humanity was created in is defiled and corrupted by sin, Genesis 3 and 21 tells us, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. This is important to understand because the first thing that mankind tried to do when he sinned was cover his sin. He made of himself an apron and clothing made from leaves and twigs. And the first thing that God establishes with humanity is your efforts to cover yourself are insufficient. The first thing he does is removes their covering and instead sets a precedent by giving them a covering. Now let me stop here because there is a word that we find replete throughout scripture that is a key component of understanding the, the thematic principle of what we're teaching tonight and that is the word atonement. Tell your neighbor atonement. When you see the word atonement in scripture, the word atonement simply means a covering. To atone for something is to cover something. And so we see this theme of atonement right here at the very beginning of time as God covers or atones Adam and Eve. And what did he cover them with? The scripture says that he covered them or atoned them with the skins of animals. The scripture doesn't tell us what kind of an animal, but I would like to surmise that it was a lamb. 
because there is a foreshadowing here of the future because when Jesus enters the picture John the Baptist says behold the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world needless to say that some animal had to die and blood had to be shed in order for there to be a covering or an atonement for mankind. Something had to lose its life and blood had to be shed. We read later on in the scripture, if you're following or taking notes, write it down. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged. Somebody say purged. That word purged is another common word that's used throughout scripture. The word purged simply means to cleanse thoroughly. And almost all things are by the law purged or cleansed thoroughly with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9 and 22 tells us that without the shedding of blood there is no way for there to be remission. In other words, it is the blood that causes sins to be remitted. And blood in the Old Testament was just an atonement. It was just to cover sin. But blood in the New Testament uh, was for the remission of sin. And what the, I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but what the blood of animals could not remit uh, and could only cover, the blood of the lamb slain from the foundation uh, was able not only to cover, uh, but to bring remission uh, of sin. That word remission, of course, is a powerful powerful word most commonly used in our modern day vernacular in the medical field when we deal with disease the, the, the greatest thing that somebody could hear a doctor tell them is that the disease has gone into remission. What does that mean? It means we can't find it any longer. It is no longer traceable. We, 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 it, it's not showing up in the system. And Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Sin is a disease that will was introduced to humanity uh, by the fall of Adam uh, and there is only one thing that can cause it uh, to go into remission uh, and that is the shedding uh, of blood. Colossians chapter 2, follow me tonight. Colossians chapter 2 verses 12 through 14 says this. It says that we are buried with him in baptism. This is part of the gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are buried with him by baptism. Interestingly enough, the word baptism literally is the original word baptizo, which means to bury. That's why sprinkling babies with water is not baptism. 
sprinkling anybody with water. When somebody is buried in a graveyard, they don't just sprinkle dirt on them. Uh, they bury them with the dirt. Uh, and so if you're going to be baptized uh, by the very virtue and definition of the word baptized, uh, you must be completely covered uh, and buried in the water. Can I get an amen in the building tonight? Listen to, the, to, to the, the verbiage used here. We are buried with him, how? In baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, uh, having forgiven you all trespasses, passes listen to verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us did you know the enemy is keeping a record uh, of your mistakes uh, and your failures uh, and your sins uh, but my bible tells me that the blood of jesus uh, blotted out uh, the handwriting of ordinances uh, god took his blood uh, and applied it to all of those words that were written uh, against you uh, and when the blood was applied uh, all of those things were gone uh, the bible says uh, they were contrary to us uh, and he took it out of uh, the way uh, nailing it uh, to uh, his uh, cross Woo! if something ought to make you shout uh, it ought to be that right there uh, God took every one of your mistakes uh, and your failures uh, and your shortcomings uh, and when the enemy tried to come uh, and point at the record of what you did uh, God snatched it up and nailed it to a blood-stained cross. And when that thing hit the blood, when those deeds hit the blood, the enemy said, I can't read it anymore. I know what it used to say. I know what it used to read. But all I see is the blood. Somebody ought to thank God for the blood tonight. Woo! And so the blood of Jesus is presented to us as a cleansing agent from sin. And baptism in water is inextricably tied to the process of cleansing by which the blood of Jesus is applied to our life. The physical blood of Jesus, I don't remember how many quarts of blood is in the human body, but when the last drop of human blood left the body of Jesus, it wasn't just ordinary blood that he spilt. You understand that his DNA, his genetics were different than you and I. He, he was, Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. His chromosomes and his genetic profile looked a little bit different because when they tried to do a paternity test on Jesus, there was something different about that blood. And when those courts of blood left his mortal body, they were eternally 
literally uh, spread throughout all of the universe. Uh, and that blood that was shed on Calvary uh, wasn't just enough blood uh, to spill below the cross, uh, but it was blood uh, that the writer said it reaches uh, to the highest mountain uh, and it flows uh, to the lowest uh, valley. All oh, the blood uh, that Jesus shed uh, Something about, about that blood. We're not able to apply the physical blood. But there's something supernatural that happens. And according to the scripture, there's only three places in the scripture where the word remission is used. Hebrews 9 that we read. Where without the shedding of blood there is no remission. And one of the other places is Acts 2 and 38. That tells us that we are to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. If without the shedding of blood there's no remission and we're baptized for the remission, then it's easy to get the revelation and understand that when you are baptized in water, it is the supernatural application of the blood of Jesus to your life. When you go down in that water and the name of Jesus is pronounced over you. Can I just tell you there is no such thing as holy water. There's nothing special about the water. It's just Fort Myers city water. But I'll tell you what is powerful. It's the name of Jesus. And when the name of Jesus is spoken over you baby something happens when you go down in that water, you're not just getting wet, but the blood of Jesus is being applied to your life, and it's purging your sin, and it's cleansing you from your path. I wish somebody in the building would just give God a praise for the blood tonight. Praise him for the blood. Old-timers would sing, would you be free from your burden of sin? Power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the blood of the Lamb, oh, there is power. I wish I had some old saints in the wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb. Then they would sing, and it reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, no, never, never lose. 
its power. Anybody thankful for the power of the blood in this place tonight? Woo! And if you're Spanish, you sing, I poder, poder, sin igual poder. En Jesús, el mudo, hay poder, poder, sin igual poder. El sangre de, something like that. <laughs> Woo! I don't care what language you say it in. His blood reaches from the U.S. to Mexico, to Canada, to China, to Africa, to Haiti, and around the world. Because his blood was not just the blood of another animal, but it was the blood of the almighty God. I'm still teaching about foot washing. I'm going somewhere. And then we read, coming out of Genesis 3, the atonement for humanity in the garden. And then in Genesis chapter 7, God cleanses the earth from wickedness. How does he do it? He does it with water. He uses water as a purifying agent. And later on the scripture would say, whereas in eight souls were saved by water, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. First Peter chapter three. Then to the children of Israel, Egypt was a type of the world and their past. And when the influence of their past tried to chase them on their way out, the Bible says that he led them through the Red Sea and he overcame them by the water in the Red Sea. He used the water to destroy the enemy and overthrew Pharaoh and all of his chariots in the midst of of the sea it was water that God used to deliver and purify them and then when you begin to read further in the scripture Acts chapter 22 Paul is testifying about his conversion and all of a sudden he utters the words to Ananias in Acts 22 and 16 and listen to, 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 to the the vernacular here. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, listen, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What I am trying to accentuate and articulate tonight is the idea in Scripture that Baptism is a washing. It is a cleansing from the filthiness of the flesh. And then when you get over into the book of Hebrews, and, and the book of Hebrews is my favorite uh, book of the Bible. It is, it is dense with, with revelation and, and Old Testament fulfillment. And the, the key to understanding the book of Hebrews is is greater than. 
The book of Hebrews is a book about the fulfillment of Old Testament type and shadow. And so you read over in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 8, it says, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscious. The gifts and the sacrifices did not have the ability to bring that person unto perfection, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse, listen, diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Listen, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying there's that word of the flesh if the blood of bulls and goats had enough power to cleanse the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God what the blood tried to do externally the blood of Jesus was able to do from the inside out the blood couldn't wash your heart but the blood of Jesus could wash your heart the blood of bulls and goats couldn't wash your conscience and your mind but when you're baptized in Jesus name the blood of Jesus can wash away dysfunctional thinking and carnal thinking and sinful thoughts Woo! Purifies and it purges. Then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Listen, here's the third place where the word remission is found in Scripture. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Whoo, this is powerful. Once the blood of Jesus was shed, there was no longer a need to kill any more bulls and goats. 
there was no more sacrifices that were needed. Once the blood of the lamb slain from the foundation was shed, you're never going to have to get another animal and put them on an altar and do another thing because the blood of Jesus. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I ain't got time for all this tonight. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for. He is preaching this. He is writing this to Hebrews. And in the Hebrew mind, it is blowing their mind. Because when you speak about sacrifice and tabernacles and the order of the tabernacle, the, the, the labor and, and, and the, the burnt offerings and, and all of those things, that they are seeing in their mind's eye how Jesus is fulfilling all of these things. And then in verse Verse number 21, uh, it says, And having an high priest uh, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart uh, in full assurance of faith. Uh, listen again to the vernacular. Uh, having our hearts sprinkled uh, from an evil conscience. Uh, and here it is. And our bodies, somebody shout bodies, washed with pure Water, speaking about baptism in Jesus' name. And so, it is with this setting in mind that we approach the text. John chapter 4, verse number 12 says, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Jesus took his disciples, baptized them in water. And according to Hebrews 10 and 22 that we just read, their bodies had been washed with pure water. And so it is with this understanding of the cleansing properties of baptism and the understanding that these men had been baptized already by Jesus that we begin to see a bit more clearly the principle of foot washing. It is through a very simple observation of the way of life in first century Israel that we can truly capture the meaning of this New Testament ritual. Walking in sandals on the filthy roads of Israel in the first century made it imperative that feet be washed before a communal meal, especially since people reclined at a low table and their feet were very much in plain sight to those that gathered around the table to eat. Are you getting the picture of what I'm talking about tonight? The primary mode of transportation in those days was walking. Additionally, they did not have paved roads and certainly not sidewalks for pedestrians. And so the dirt roads, which were often difficult to traverse without modern-day equipment to keep them flat and smooth, were shared with cattle and donkeys and other livestock being transported or being used for transporting goods from one place to another. 
And so the roads became a collection point and a trail of animal waste mixed with the dirt and the grime and the dust associated with travel on dirt roads. So you can only imagine what your feet would look like at the end of the day after walking to and fro. And no matter how clean you were before leaving the house, by the time you reached your destination, your feet would become dirty. And Jesus was using this setting at a table, at a meal, to establish a powerful principle in the New Testament church. Listen to me tonight. The lifelong process of sanctification is one of being washed from the stain of sin that we experience as we walk through the world. How many of you have lived for God long enough to understand that when you were baptized in Jesus' name and came up out of that water and you begin to walk down the road of life, uh, that it doesn't take long before you look down and saw that your feet became dirty with the road uh, that you were traveling on. Is there anybody in the building uh, that knows what I'm talking about tonight? Your body is washed with water when you are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. But as you travel the road of life, your feet become dirty. Mistakes, shortcomings, failures. No one is exempt from falling short. Everybody has dirty feet. I'm going to say that again tonight. Everybody has dirty feet. This is why people who have experienced failure in their life or have even backslid altogether, when they repent and turn back to God, they often feel a need to be rebaptized. Frequently, backsliders will come back to church and pray through and and, and invariably, one of the things that, that I get asked all the time is, I, I almost feel like I need to be baptized again. Why? Because they feel uh, the, 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 the filth uh, of the road. They become con conscious uh, and cognizant, Brother Moore, uh, of the fact that I, I've been walking through stuff I shouldn't have been walking through. And, and I've lived some experiences and my feet went to some places they shouldn't have went. And, and they feel that sense uh, of needing to be cleansed. They feel dirty from the journey. This was the conclusion that Peter came to all of the sudden when he said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. But listen to Jesus' response in verse number 10. Are you with me tonight? Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed. What's he talking about? Baptism. He that is washed 
needeth not save to wash his feet. Can I put that in modern day English? He that has been baptized doesn't need to be baptized again. Only his feet need to be washed. But he's clean everywhere else. You see, it was the work of the lowliest servants to wash the feet of those partaking of this time of fellowship together. That's why Peter's initial response to Jesus was, thou shalt never wash my feet. In his mind, he said, you're my master. How, how could I ever allow you to assume a position of servanthood in front of me. Lord, I'll never allow you to wash my feet. But he didn't understand the principle yet. And he felt out of place with his master doing the lowly work of a, a lowly servant. But this was such an imperative principle that Jesus told Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. What Jesus was saying is that the second work of cleansing was not optional if he was going to have part with Jesus. And now we are the body of Christ. And there is no way for our feet to be clean without the hands of the body of Christ cleansing our feet and our pathway. I would dare say there's not a one of us in the building that would stand up and say, my feet are clean. I've never had an issue. I've never had a failure. I've never had a problem. I, 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 I don't need the body of Christ to wash my feet. I, I, I don't need it. Hey, listen to me, baby. Uh, I'm going to tell you what Jesus told Peter. Uh, he said, if your feet don't get washed by me, uh, then you'll have no part with me uh, because your whole body was washed in baptism, uh, but you got dirty feet, uh, and those feet aren't going to walk where I'm trying to take you. Uh, those feet can't carry you uh, where I need you to go. Uh, if you're going to be my disciple, uh, if you're going to follow after me, uh, then you're going to have to humble yourself uh, and allow the hands uh, of Jesus uh, to wash your feet. Could I say it like this tonight? That foot washing is a second work of baptism. Every time you fail and make a mistake, you don't need to put on a robe and get baptized again. But I'll tell you what needs to happen is every once in a while you need to get off the road you've been walking. And you need to get down and say, Jesus, would you wash my feet? Lord, would you? I need some people in the building that know what I'm talking about. Uh, God, I, I've made some some mistakes and and I've got some failures in my life. And God, I'm embarrassed. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed. If you look down, uh, you can see I've got some things that that, that I've I've been involved. Come on, somebody. Uh, and Lord, I I need to take a moment to get off the road that I've been walking. Uh, and Lord, I've been washed already, uh, but my feet, Jesus, uh, well, would you wash uh, my feet and so after music come I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying 
after he had washed their feet, verse 12, and had taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. This wasn't just the simple common act of the servant of the house washing their feet for dinner. This was a moment of impartation and revelation to the disciples from Jesus. He said, do you realize and understand what I have done to you? You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And verse number 16, his language becomes strong. And he says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. One of the charges and commands to Jesus, to the New Testament church, was the ritual of foot washing and communion. It is a moment of reciprocity, of humility. The one whose feet is being washed. Can I just say this tonight? There is probably no more humbling body part on the human body than the feet. You ain't got to say amen tonight. It is the lowest place. It is the place that makes contact with the filth of the earth, the dirt. And so there is a, a cycle of humility that happens. The one whose feet are, are bared open are being washed by somebody who is the hands and feet of Jesus. And then the humility of the one who assumes the role of a servant and takes their hands and touches the, the dirtiest place and represents the hands of Jesus. Let me deal with this last component of foot washing. When Jesus rose from the table and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, he was doing the work of the lowliest of servants. And when it was their proper work to have washed his feet, he was the one washing theirs. 
When Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come as a king and conqueror, but he came as the suffering servant described in Isaiah 53. As he revealed in Matthew 20 and 28, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' attitude of servanthood was in direct contrast to that of the disciples who had just been arguing amongst themselves who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They had just finished a discourse about who was the most valuable and greatest when Jesus put on the garment of a servant and said, he that is greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. And so as we prepare to move into this next season of 2024, there'll be a service in the next week or two where we're going to come together as the body of Christ and we're going to present our feet that have walked down the paths of 2023. I don't know about you, but I got some stuff on 2023 that I don't want to track into 2024 with me. Come on, I need some help in the building. I said, I got some stuff on my feet, Sister Tabitha, from 2023 uh, that I dare not take with me uh, into 2024. Uh, I'm going to make a pit stop off of the road uh, into the house of Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to say, Lord, uh, would you wash my feet? Uh, God, I want to be, I want to go into a new year uh, with a clean path. Uh, I want to go into a new year, God, uh, with a fresh start. I want to go into a new year, God, with my heart clean and my mind clean. Come on, is there anybody in the building? Stand with me all over the house tonight. I want us to come. I'm through teaching tonight. And I'm, I'm not making an altar call for the sake of coming to repent and none of those things. But I wonder for a few moments tonight, under the auspices of God's Word, if we could come together to as a body tonight to the front of this house and if we could take a few moments tonight and, and, and pray a prayer of reflection of God's word tonight because over the next few days over the next several days I'll tell you what our assignment is as a church it's to begin to prepare ourselves for transition Come on, it's, it's to prepare ourselves for a, for a transition from 2023, the year of blessing, into 2024, the year of you got to come and hear what I have to say on Sunday. And over the next several days, it would behoove us to spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, I, I want to exit the year right and I want to enter the year right. Come on, is there anybody beside me? I can't afford to miss what God wants to do in my life this year. Come on, is there anybody else? I can't afford to miss 
what God has in store for me and my family. Brother Brian, I can't afford to miss what God has planned for me and my family. So God, whatever I've got to do to get myself ready, whatever I've got to do to get my heart right, whatever I've got to do to get my spirit right and my mind right, God, help me get ready. Help me prepare all over this house. I wonder if you would lift your hands with me tonight. Come on, as you lift your hands, would you help me pray for the next few moments tonight? Come on, would you take a few moments as we reflect on God's word tonight? Would you pray, Lord? Renewing God, I need you to cleanse me, God. God, I don't want to go into the next dimension, the next season of what you have for me, God, tainted and, and dirty and spotted and blemished. But God, as I go into the next season, Come on. Come on, somebody lift your voice. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, God's calling some of us. God's calling some of us. Come on, there's some things that God's been dealing with us about and God's been speaking to us about it. God's been moving on our hearts. Come on, this is the this is your year. This is your moment. This is your moment for God to give you a new chance. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God speaking to somebody. This is your chance for a brand new beginning. This is God's opportunity in your life uh, to step into the things uh, that you've been dreaming about, uh, that you've been believing God for. Come on, in Jesus' name.
Lord, if that's how you feel tonight, lift your voice to him one more time.